Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every day. Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. Today is part two of our podcast, where we're talking about box fill and all things associated with box fill. So this is part two. This is a continuation. If you listen to part one, you and if you haven't, go back and listen to that, because we talk about all the aspects of metal boxes, non-metallic boxes, <clears throat> the fill requirements, and all the devices, double volume allowances, and all this kind of good stuff. Kind of give you a 30,000-foot view of that. But now, we're going to talk about one specific topic today. Uh, and really, Well, two different things that we really want to touch on. Uh, and it is basically splicing in conduit bodies, conduit bodies in general. And we're going to deal with the six AWG conductors in smaller aspect. Uh, and, of course, we'll talk a little bit about short radius conduit bodies, what they are and, and whatnot, so you kind of understand the differences. Uh, so we're in item C. So what it is is we're in 314.16C. So we're directly dealing with conduit body. Okay, so a lot of times people ask, can you splice in a conduit body, like an LB, LL, LR, uh, whatever it is, can you splice in there? Well, there's two answers to that question. There's a yes and there's a no. We want to cover both. And so we're going to talk about that. So as with anything, we're going to look at the general rule, which is a general rule, which is item number one under C, and read what it says, what it not is reflecting, so that we kind of cover what we're doing. And so we get a full gamut. So in your mind, we're talking about LBs, LRs, LLs. You know what they are. They're called conduit bodies. Uh, there's many names that people call these condolettes, whatever you want to call it. This is what we're, we're dealing with, okay? Conduit bodies that enclose six AWG conductors or smaller. Remember, that's kind of part of our series here. We're not into the four gauge and larger. We're, we're still talking about the, the six and smaller stuff that goes along with part one of this series, box fill and whatnot. We haven't got to the other aspects of it. Uh, it says, so conduit bodies that enclose six AWG conductors or smaller 
other than short radius conduit bodies. So we're not talking about those. There's a separate portion for that. Okay, we're going to have to deal with that later. We're talking about conduit bodies that have conductors six and smaller. Other than those short radius um, conduit bodies, which we'll talk about in a second, as described, and that's in in 314.16c3, we'll get there in a minute. It says, shall have a cross-sectional area not less than twice the cross-sectional area of the largest conduit or tubing to which they are attached. What does that mean? People see that and they go, why did you say what you mean? Look, if you look at the back of the code and you're looking at chapter 9 tables uh, and you're looking at the tables in the back in order to determine uh, the the actual uh, cross-sectional area of the raceway for your raceway fill and all this kind of stuff, it's the same thing that's going to apply here that that actual conduit body has to have not less than twice the cross-sectional area of the largest conduit or tubing that actually connects to it. Now, this should probably already be taken care of by the manufacturers. I'm really not advocating you think beyond this or, or make it more complicated than it is. So if it's a trade size 2 going into it, whatever the actual cross-sectional area is of that trade size 2 ENT or rigid or whatever it is that's going to this LB, let's say, then the LB should have two times the cross-sectional area of the raceway that's connecting to it. Uh, now, if you have it reducing down, then the raceway is going to be smaller. Okay, it's really based on the maximum size it could be terminated into it. If you happen to go smaller, that's fine. It means your 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 conduit body is just going to be bigger, have even maybe even more than two times the cross-sectional area of the raceway that's going into it. We want to go with the largest conduit or tubing that could be. So if I reduce it down... Always go with the largest. So if it's an LB, LRR, LL, whatever it is, and uh, and it and it allows a maximum of a trade size two, then that is your maximum. Okay, and so that conduit body needs to be at least two times the cross-sectional area of the largest conduit or tubing that can be utilized with that LB or that LR or that LL or whatever it is. Okay, conduit body. Um, manufacturers typically take care of that already. So we don't have to overthink it. We're not gonna. Uh, we're we're not gonna try to um, overthink this. Okay, keep it simple. All right. Now it goes on to say. Okay, so we've got that in our head. We understand what we're dealing with, like an LL conduit body or LR, whatever it is. Now it goes on to say. Okay, what about the conductors that are in it? It says, well, the maximum number of conductors permitted shall be the maximum number permitted by Table 1, Chapter 9, for the conduit or tubing to which is attached. So, if I do a raceway fill calculation and I'm not exceeding the percentage fill and and I determine the number of conductors that can be in that trade size 2 raceway, then that is the number of conductors that I'm going to have in that conduit body. Okay? Again, don't overthink that either. If I did my calculation and I didn't exceed the, let's say that I'm dealing in a, in a raceway calculation and I've got over two conductors and I'm not to exceed the cross-section area of 40%, and let's say that's four conductors, uh, and that's all I can have in that raceway, then that's all I can have in that LB. Makes sense? Okay, so that's kind of takes care of itself. 
So just remember you're basing it on the raceway and all that good stuff. Okay, so that that part's easy. We, we've pretty much covered it. Now, the question comes up, and again, we're dealing with six and smaller conductors. The next question is, says, well, can I splice? Can I tap? Uh, or even can I even put a device, potentially, in this conduit body? Well, we're going to have to read the code to get a better understanding of that because there's a yeses and nos. And here's what it says. And this is C2, so you're in 314.16 C2. It says, with splices, taps, or devices. It says, only those conduit bodies that are durably and legibly marked by the manufacturer with their volume shall be permitted to contain splices, taps, or devices. Okay, so that's the first caveat. Not every LB, LL, LR, condolet, C, whatever you're going to have, are not going to be rated for splices, taps, or devices. Okay? They have to be marked with their volume. Okay? To be able to do that. So if they're not marked with their volume, then I could not have splices, taps, or devices in it. Period. Now, it goes on to say, the maximum number of conductors shall be calculated in accordance with 314.16b. It says... Conduct, uh, conduit bodies shall be uh, shall be supported in a rigid and secure manner. Okay, so they have to be secured. Um, typically, it's it, you know n- not a problem. For example, to have rigid conduit secured so that actually supports the conduit body uh, and all that type of thing. So, um, but it has to be rigidly supported. And there's allowances there. Now, let's dig back to the number of conductors. When we say number of conductors, we are still going to use the volume allowance that we talked about in part one under 314.16b. That is whatever we put in there, conductors, whatever we're doing, once that becomes a splice box and we have a volume that's given to us on that box, now we understand that we're going to use the same volumes that we did before and that was if it's 14 gauge, it's going to be 2.00 cubic inches for each conductor. Uh, and, and you treat it just like a box and you're going to do your calculation. Okay. So that only comes into play. All right. Only comes into play if that box has the cubic inch markings on it. Another thing to remember at that point, you are treating it like a box, so you're going to have to meet the requirements of 300.14. I need at least six inches of free conductor measured from the point that it enters the conduit body, uh, emerges from the raceway or cable. So I got to have that amount in there. A lot of times, because they're really tight, people want to go in there and snip it, but if they're not six inches, you got a problem. So you need to intend to use this conduit body for splicing. Otherwise, if you just got conductors pulled in it and you come in later and you open it up and you think, ooh, I'm going to snip them and they don't meet the minimum of six inches. Uh, Remember, if they're three inches and you pigtail it, that's not six inches. We're talking about six inches of free conductor measured from the point where it emerges from the raceway or cable assembly. Okay? Keep that in mind. Um, So that's something. So we need at least six inches on that. Um... Remind you again that the minimum number of conductors, or the, excuse me, the maximum number, again, is calculated in accordance with 314.16b. So let me give you an example. Let's say I have an LB, it might be an LL, and 
And what happens is uh, I've got uh, two conductors coming in to the bottom and it goes to the LB in the short section. I got two conductors going out. So I wanted to make splices in here for some reason. I don't know why, but I just had two sections of wire. That's all I had. Now I got to make a splice, whatever reason that might be. How many conductors do I have? Well, you treat it just like a box. Okay. Now, again, provided that there's a stamped marking in this box. So let's say the box has eight cubic inches, what it's marked in on it. All right, let's do some math. So what I've got coming into it is 14 gauge conductors. I got a, a, a black and a white coming in from the bottom and a black and a white going out the top of the LB or the LL, whatever in this case. So since we're dealing with 14 gauge, what does the code tell us? Well, you got to go to 314.16b, as we discussed, and you'll see that a 14 gauge has a volume allowance of 2.00. Okay, how many conductors do we have? Well, two coming in one side, two coming in the other side. Each one of them count because they're being spliced. We don't have any looping rules. We don't have any conductors that are going straight through. They're being spliced in here. So each one of them counts. So I have four. So you go to your trusty calculator and we're going to do 2.00 times four. And that is eight cubic inches. Well, since this box was marked for eight cubic inches, this is a perfect example of where you'd be able to do it. Now, this was assuming that we're using the raceway as an equipment grounding conductor. What if they did this LB and they pulled an equipment grounding conductor in there? Well, remember what we said in part one, the equipment grounding conductors, even if you got one coming from each end, they still only count as one. So that's an extra volume. So that would have thrown an additional uh, 2.00 for 14 onto that, which would resulted in uh, giving us a 10 cubic inches, which would mean that we're not allowed to do this in this LB. So that's why it's so important to understand it where you have somebody who says, oh, that's okay, it's marked in there, splice it. And then the next thing you know, because they didn't account for the equipment grounding conductor uh, and they didn't do it right, they're going to end up in a violation. Uh, and some people say, well, that's just stupid. The code, that's just, a, it is what it is. The code is a minimum safety standard. Uh, if you don't like it, we look forward to you submitting a public input and a public comment and getting the code changed. Until that time, it is what it is. And all I can say is you don't want to be on the negative side of a lawsuit where somebody comes out and wants to look for a smoking gun and they go, God, I can't find it. Oh, look, code violation. Your Honor, this is why this started because so-and-so didn't follow the minimum say, hey, what does the judge know? He's, he's allowing for the expert to say that you did something wrong. Why would you want to do that? Follow the minimum safety standard. If you want to get something changed in the code, then submit it. Get it changed. But until then, you got to fall with the code and, and go with there. All right, so that's good. Now, let's go to the last one we're going to talk about in this podcast. Uh, and that is dealing with these short radius conduit bodies. Now, what are these? You know, we've all seen them. They look like they're almost a, 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 a 90 degree angle, small little conduit body, which is a removable back cover. Uh, they also make these for service uh, entrance elbows. They also make these what are called capped elbows. They're very tight, short radiuses. Um, now, here's what the code says about those. Usually they have screw. They look like an LB, but you don't have that a long separate segment that's required by the listing of an LB. These are short radius, you know, really just trying to turn right angles to get in. Now, here's what it says. Conduit bodies, such as capped elbows and service entrance elbows, 
that enclose conductors 6 AWG or smaller and are only intended to enable the installation of the raceway and the containing conductors. So all it was designed to do is take the conductors that are corresponding with whatever the raceway size it goes to it, uh, understanding the fill for that raceway is going to correspond to that L, that uh, short radius bend. In other words, if I do a raceway calculation, I can put three conductors in there and I don't exceed the fill requirements that that LB, if its entry is rated the same size as that conduit or raceway that's going into it, then it's considered to be okay as long as, you know, we're not, we can't do splices in there, but I kind of spilled the beans on that. But as long as it's rated for whatever the raceway is it's being used for, okay, so we're good there. And it's only intended to contain those conductors. And it can't contain splices, taps, or devices, and shall be of an approved size to provide free space for all conductors enclosed in the conduit body. Okay, so the good news is the manufacturers look at it this way. If it's a short radius conduit body and it's sized to have... Uh, trade size one half EMT, for example, then the number of conductors that you're permitted to put in an EMT should go fine in this short radius conduit body as well. Okay. Typically, the conductors don't get pulled around that, to be honest with you. Uh, you remove the cap, and this is something that's needed for installation. It needs to turn at a short radius. So the conductors get pulled out of that back end because you remove the cover, and then you turn and you loop them, and then you push them back in, and then you seat them in place, and then you put the cover back on it. That's typically what happens uh, with this application. All right. So... Uh, the reason for the conduit body or the short radius conduit body is to gain access to that right angle to facilitate the installation. Okay, and again, we're talking six AVGN smaller, so we're talking smaller conductors in these episodes. So that's what we're talking about. Okay. All right, so that's your deal on the conduit bodies. Most definitely the small ones. If you want to make splices in those uh, conduit bodies. Then you're going to look for that marking that's stamped in there to tell you what the cubic inch is. Then you just treat it just like what we did in the uh, part one for box fill. Uh, treat it no differently. Um, if you've got these short radius conduit bodies, remember you can't splice, tap, or put devices in those. Um, they're very limited. Um, the same number of conductors that can go into the raceway that's connected to it are the number that would go inside of the con a short radius conduit body. Um, so... You know, that's all good there. Um, should take care of itself when the manufacturers design those, hopefully. Um, you know, those that's something you're not going to make yourself, obviously. You're going to buy that. No brainer there. Uh, make sure that when you do treat that conduit body that it is, uh, when we're talking about a conduit body like an LL, LR, LB, that you've got six inches of free conductor if you're going to splice in it. Uh, if you've got tight conductors running in there and, that, and you're not going to have ability when you make that splice to have six inches of free conductor then that's not going to work for you okay that's part of the requirements of 300.14 it's going to apply here as well okay um and that's it there's nothing else in that episode i want to talk about so hey that's probably one of the shortest episodes i've ever done so maybe you'll listen to all of it <laughs> so uh remember you got any questions you can always email us um, and we're going to go on and continue on with 
some securing requirements for metal boxes and non-metallic boxes. Kind of clear up some of those type of things. Uh, and maybe we'll even talk about boxes that are placed in a combustible versus a non-combustible material in a wall and all those type of goodies. We'll, we'll talk about all that kind of thing and in, in maybe in part three of this episode. So we'll leave it for that. So here we just really wanted to talk about conduit bodies and then... Uh, and while we were doing that, we also wanted to cover those short radius little conduit bodies, those little direct to 90 degree transition bodies, if I like to call them. Okay. So hopefully you got something out of that. Again, you can always email us at info, that's I-N-F-O at masterthenec.com or info at electrocodeacademy.com. Uh, so that's the end of part two. So stay tuned for part three, where we're going to talk about securing cables to metal boxes and non-metallic boxes and answer all those questions associated with that. Till next time, stay safe. God bless. Every day the future's getting closer. Every day the future's looking bright. Every day is another beginning.